Hello, everyone. I'm Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 50. I'm joined today by Chris Lemma. Chris has been building web applications since you could build them, 1995. Over the last 12 years, he's used WordPress to build everything from blogs to websites to web applications for folks like his brother, his friends, and companies like ABC. A regular blogger and a public speaker, he is also the vice president of products for Liquid Web. Now, I met Chris here in Raleigh, North Carolina this past weekend. Chris was a keynote speaker and his message was getting the right things right, where he talked about every day there being more and more technology and tools and content management and pricing and people getting overwhelmed by this and just deciding how to put priority and performance into focus. Chris is an amazing storyteller. If you guys go out on YouTube, I mean, he talks about marketing, but the way he's telling it, it's like a bedtime story. He tells it in a way that really resonates with people. And you can tell in the audience they're captivated by his words. So I wanted to sit down with Chris because I'm getting more involved with applications and other things at WordPress. And who better to speak to than somebody that has been doing it for a very long time. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this and hopefully you can glean something from it. Without further ado, here is my man, Chris Lemma. Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders to discuss their passions in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. Just as a quick note, Chris and I were sitting in the middle of the conference at the WordCamp 2017 here in Raleigh, North Carolina. So you'll hear a lot of noise and commotion in the background, and I apologize for that. But we literally sat in the middle while people were going to the different sessions and talked it out to share it with you. So I battled through it just for you. Hopefully you enjoy. Hey guys, Priest Willis here. I'm here with Chris Lemo. We're live at the WordCamp Raleigh event. Chris has been in the space for a very long time. He has all sorts of knowledge. I want to get into his background experience. I want to talk specifically about outsourcing, building up your business. But more importantly, I want to talk about memberships. And because I wanted to share this with you guys, I thought no one better to talk about memberships than Chris. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thank you so much. So Chris, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I started building web applications in 1994 with third fixed subnet of the entire internet at Berkeley National Lab. And we started building hosted apps then. I built the first online LMS in 95, shared the technology with some folks that later became Blackboard, if you've ever been in the LMS space, and have been building SaaS products ever since. I started working with uh, WordPress, I don't know, probably about 13 years ago and got into the community six years ago. So put that in perspective, you started in WordPress about 13 years ago. When did WordPress really kind of hit the space for people to show how early you were? Well, I was still in the in the early versions of WordPress. So mm-hmm. 2005 was, was when I started. And at that point, they had just introduced pages to WordPress. Right. So I've been using the product for a long time. I really didn't get involved in the community until... 2011. So a relatively late person at that point, there was a lot of people already kind of doing things. But I came from a corporate and business and B2B SaaS background. So I wasn't a like, let's one more freelancer who was building websites, right? Right. So I immediately the first thing I did with WordPress 
early on was building protected membership sites, right? So I had a, we had a corporate system that distributed software and we needed a way to distribute the patches. And so we spun up a, a WordPress website. That single website that managed the updates for our customers, right, generated somewhere in the order of four to six million dollars a year wow. in maintenance revenue, right? Because right. we did all of the maintenance work through a protected membership site. So I brought my background in membership and my background in software into this little microcosm of WordPress and said, how do we make this all happen? And there were some things that worked and some things that didn't. And so we just kept evolving and kept working. And by now, I've worked with most of the plugin providers that do membership stuff to just make sure that the products are doing what we want them to do. Wow, that's really cool. So you do have a lot of good experience, particularly in the membership side. Now, you've developed your own business. So I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. As you're developing your own businesses and creating your own things, I imagine you had to have a team in place to help you do that. How did you structure that team? Did you outsource a lot of the business and did you hire people locally? How did you balance that? So every every SaaS company that we started, we started with one or two founders, three founders and no team, right? So you have to build the team. That's and so right. part of that is recruiting people, right? right? Inviting people to come join you. And part of that is sourcing out, right? Going out to someone and saying, we want to hire you for a little project here, there. I just joined Liquid Web, for example, right? It's a hosting company. Yep. And I'm in the middle of recruiting staff. But at the same time, I needed some code written, right? So I literally went to some key companies and said, I want to pay you to write some of the code. So sometimes you go out because you want to accelerate your development effort. Sometimes you go out because you want to lower your price point, right? That's right. And sometimes you go out simply because you're like, I don't have my staff yet. But I'm, I'm still recruiting, right? Did you ever go um, overseas with Oh, yeah. I went, first time I went overseas was in 95. I've been working with uh, offshore folks since. And I've done that in Ireland. I've done it in Southeast Asia. I've done it in Brazil. Wow. I've managed folks in Mexico, obviously in Canada, the less near shore. Also in India, both Delhi, Bangalore, Mumbai. Holy cow. Um, so Kazakhstan, all the stands, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I've hired out of there and sourced workouts to there. So I, I worked with, with folks in probably, I think the count last time I checked was something like 23, 24 countries. Wow. And, the, and the trick to it, right, is these are all, every one of these countries has very smart people. Smart is only one part of it though, right? So part of the dynamic, part of the challenge is that in the U.S., we have a lot of exposure to a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? If you drive your car up to a gas station and you go to pay for your gas, you're going to get a keypad, that's right? right. That's, that's how you do it. And if you go into the grocery store and you go to pay for your groceries, you're going to get a keypad. And if you go to get money out of the bank, you're going to get a keypad. So by the time you go to write software for a point of sale system, well, you've been using a keypad all your life. Everything you do has a keypad. But if you go to other countries... They're, they're about two generations, they, three generations behind them. They don't, they don't have a keypad at the bank or they yeah. don't have a keypad at the gas station. They don't have a keypad at the grocery store. So they don't have exposure. Right. That has nothing to do with intelligence. Yes. It just has to do with whether or not they have the same experience base. So a lot of what I do when I'm working with people in other countries is create the opportunities for exposure so that they can come up to speed fast enough. That's re- that's really good. That's a really good way of looking at business because I think a lot of us just see it as leaning on what's cheapest. But you have, there's an exchange of information. There's an yeah. exchange of ideas. And whether you're going to India, Philippines, whatever it may be. There's perspective, right, that they bring to your business, which ultimately helps you. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of our entrepreneurs that listen to this podcast, they deal wholeheartedly with WordPress, but they're caught up in the day-to-day business like a lot of us where 
they're the accountant, they're everything to their business. And, you know, I wanted a big perspective of outsourcing and what that meant to the business. But more importantly, I wanted to talk about some of the failures in growing that business in terms of hiring. So I've seen videos out there with you where you you were transparent about hiring people that you had to eventually let go because you found out they weren't necessarily who they said they were. So can you tell a little bit about that, about kind of your hiring failure? So you've grown your business. We know you've had successes, but I wanted to focus on that to kind of show these entrepreneurs that, hey, look, it happens. Some of us, you know, we have the best intent for our business, but it doesn't always work out. What, what did you see when you tried to hire initially? So the biggest problem when you're talking about hiring is that most people who are hiring get immediately far too emotionally connected to the candidate when they get ready to hire. So they're like, I have this position. And then you talk to someone and they're across the table from you and they have a pulse, right? They're like, uh, you know, you're like, do you know how to do this? And they go, yes. And you go, thank God you're everything I've ever wanted. And so we, we, when we're doing the interviewing, we punt to this really excited, thank God I found someone position, right? We put ourselves in a place where we're using hope as a strategy, where mm-hmm. we're counting on each word to be kind of the golden truth instead of being really, really cynical or really, really filtering our emotions out of it and being very careful about this is a risky decision, right? You said hire slow in one of your videos. And so what happened was I, what I discovered in the early years was I would hire very quickly because it was so hard to find talent, right? And so you're like, oh God, they said they knew how to do this. And so I'd hire them, right? Only to discover, oh my God, these people don't know what they're doing and I got to let them go. And then when you let them go, then you realize yeah, maybe it was them, right? Maybe part of it was them because they didn't have the skills they said they had. But part of it's really me, right? right? Part right. of it is I was waste. I was so eager, right? I don't know if you noticed this, but if you if you're interviewing someone, it's really easy for you to talk ninety percent of the time of the interview. That's right, because you, you're you're pitching them, right? You're like, let me tell you about my company, let me tell you about our history, let me tell you about this project, let me tell you about this job, and you're talking, yeah. Instead of shutting up and being like, okay, tell me about your background, right? And waiting and listening, right? And right. so. In the early years, I spoke all the time, and they spoke barely anything, and I can, I was selling myself on them, <laughs> right? And in later years, I would make them sell themselves to me, and I would slow it way down. So I would tell someone, hey, I have this position. I want to hire someone in this role. If it's someone I know, I can make it fast. But if it's someone I don't know, I'll tell them, I plan for this to be about a six-month Because you're really vetting forth. them out. I'm, we're going to vet in yeah. lots of different ways. At one point, I went to hire someone to be a development director, and I invited her not we went through all the interviews but i invited her onto my team calls to listen in and to get a sense of the personas so that i could then ask her questions about how would you deal with this guy when he said this what would your response be how would you deal with this and it was a ridiculously thorough process that did take almost five months and yet on the first day that i saw a resume i'm like this is it right Mm -hmm. but i still went through the five months to make sure that I wasn't selling myself, right? How much does that slow down your business process though? By- you just got, you got to do it early, right? Yeah. You got to know this is, so right now at Liquid Web, right? I started in December and in December I knew these are all the people I need to hire over the next year. And these are the timelines when I need to hire. And so I start recruiting on day one, but I know that some of these won't close for four months. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I never stop recruiting. I never stop interacting with people. I never stop investigating. So some of the first hires I made at Liquid Web just recently were people I've known for years. Mm. And so because I've known them for years, it's a different story, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're Now you're just saying, hey, is this a good time for you to leave where you're at to come join me? Which is a different question than, hey, do you have the skills and capabilities right. of working the way I want you to work? Right? right. But that means that you're constantly evaluating people, constantly having conversations, constantly asking, hey, one of the most important questions I ask at a conference like this, I'll talk to someone that maybe I've seen before, I know a little bit, and I'll say, hey, what are you working on? And then I'll say, what are you learning, right? 
and they'll go, oh, huh, I got to think about that for a second. If they can tell me what they're learning and what they're learning is interesting, I go, that's great. If they're like, yeah, it's more same old, same old. Yeah, I'm just, I'm like, just here. Yeah. yeah. Then you're like, huh, okay. No, I'm, I, I'm looking for someone who's constantly learning. Yeah. Right. Because I can't predict what I'm going to need five years from now. Yeah, right. And so I want to hire people that actually can grow with the company, not someone who's just like, look, you hired me to do X. I do. And what happens if I no longer want to do X? Right? Right. What happens if the business changes? So I want people who are versatile, right? We want to thank today's sponsor, Namecheap. Are you trying to find a domain registration company or a host that best fits your need? Namecheap is a domain name register in a web hosting company that I've worked with since 2002. They were established in 2000. They offer domain names at some of the best prices in the industry, along with full featured hosting packages, secure SSL certificates, who is guard privacy protection service, and much more. Go to the link in today's podcast, click on Namecheap and get yours today. Just to switch gears a bit. So we mentioned at the top that we were here at WordCamp in Raleigh, North Carolina. You have a lot of content out there where you speak at other WordCamps and, and do things yeah. along those lines. You know, one of the pieces on your personal website, chrislemma.com, tell us what are you here for the people to get from you? What do you actually want these people at WordCamp? What do you want them to receive from you ultimately? Because you're not selling yourself. I'm not actually selling anything. So when I go to a WordCamp, especially like this weekend to come and do a keynote speech, I'm here mostly to give back, right? right. So my friend calls me, Michael Torr, and says, hey, we've asked for a couple of years and it's never worked out with their schedule. I'm just going to ask one more time, like, does it, does it work for your schedule this time? And I, this month was a crazy schedule of travel. I've been traveling all month, but in a crazy mo- you know, month of schedule, I felt like I could probably throw this trip in and it won't, yeah. it won't cause it's just havoc. one more, to it's just one more couple days. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. so I said, Michael, I think I can do it. And he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, let me, let me check on my wife. Right. And so we had a conversation. I'm like, honey, I'm already flying out Tuesday. I come back Wednesday. This is just going to be fly out Friday, come back Sunday. And then on Monday I fly out again. Right. And she goes, that's fine. Whatever. Right. And so I'm like, cool, Michael, I can come, I can do the talk. Right. But I'm not selling eBooks. I'm not selling products. I'm definitely not selling liquid web, our company. Right. I'm here to give back. So in a keynote, especially at the beginning of a conference, the job is to motivate people to take risks they wouldn't take, Mm -hmm. to get them prepped for a whole two days of conference, right? Talk to people you wouldn't talk to, be inspired to challenge yourself to learn areas that you wouldn't learn, et cetera. And so that was the point of my talk, right? So Mm -hmm. it's not a, I'm not in pitch mode. I'm not in sell mode. I will always be in relationship and networking mode, which means um, I'll connect with people. I'll chat with people. I'll I'll catch up with some people. Just like right here. Yeah. Because we never know when person i'm talking to says something i, I was in a at the, at the speaker sponsor bar last night i flew in late i just drove straight there and the guy at the bar i said so what are you up to these days and he said well i'm freelancing i'm working for a company they won't pay my full rate as an employee so they'll they'll pay me as a contractor so i'm just a contractor i said what are you doing well i'm doing this 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 all the normal stuff here and he said and devops right and devops is is not your normal software development devops is running servers right, right. and so a lot of times that's that's included in the realm of orchestration or provisioning. That's lower text, lower level stuff, right? And I said, tell me more. Like, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm giving a talk here uh, this weekend uh, on Docker and da, da, da. And I said, that's great. You and I should follow up again, right? Because I'm sitting here working through issues with Kubernetes and orchestration and server provisioning. I'd love to pick your brain, right? Yep. But I don't, like, I come with no agenda, but I don't know if six weeks from now, right, we will have a conversation that leads to a contract that leads to employment or not. But you're always having that conversation. You're always asking, what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you learning? Because you don't know what you're going to hear. You know, it's funny because I tell my wife all the time, you never know what you don't know, right? Right. So when you come to events like this, 
you and I are doing a podcast right now, but I don't know how that could look a year from now, right? Right. Who knows what that ultimately can turn into? That's, right. That's why networking is so important. Right. So, you know, you've been so kind to share a lot of your time here at the event with me, and I appreciate it so much. One of the things that I wanted to get across uh, with our audience was about creating membership sites. We've yep. had questions come in about how do they do it, what the approach is that they should take. Can you talk a little bit about your experience with membership sites? And then, you know, what do you think some of the best membership sites are? And then we'll have a couple questions and yep. wrap up. Well, so I think the biggest deal on something like this, right? Because you, there's a lot of things you can't learn in a podcast, right? You can't learn how to ride a bike on a podcast because right. you've got to actually... You got to get on the bike. That's right. right. So building a membership site is hard because you're like, no, but I got to go do it. I got to touch it. But I can tell you where most people make the mistakes. Right. Uh, So, for example, a ton of people make the mistake of picking a membership plugin before they figure out their financial gateway stuff. Right. So if you happen to be in Canada and you use American Express, but you have to use USA American Express. Man, you just narrowed down all your options That's right. to one plugin because all the rest of the plugins don't work that way, yes. right? Or if you are in Australia and you need to use this Australian gateway, man, there's a whole bunch of, of solutions that won't work that well, right? Mm-hmm. So the, one of the first things you have to do is you have to figure out, okay, payment gateway-wise, what do I need, mm-hmm. right? And then based on what I need, now how does that restrict my choices, right? right? So, so you begin to funnel down, you your, funnel down your options because you got to think. So payment gateway is one of the biggest. Another is the notion of whether or not you need corporate or umbrella memberships, right? Umbrella memberships are like you sign up for the membership course, but you want to give 10 employees of yours each rights, but you're the only one that gets billed. They don't get billed, but they have rights, right? Right. That umbrella membership, most plugins don't do, right? So again, you get limited pretty quickly to, well, which plugins support this so that I can do what I need to do, right? Chris, what's the difference between a subscription and a membership site for those guys that yep. want to yep. understand the difference between the two? That's great. Actually, most membership sites are subscription sites. Not all subscription sites are membership sites. So a subscription is a financial instrument. A subscription is a I pay monthly, quarterly, annually, biannually, right? That's all it is. Subscription. Think, think like a subscription box, guys. For so those, the, yeah. the biggest subscription play out there that I can think of off the top of my head is Amazon Prime. Yep. That's right? a great one. And Amazon Prime is not a content play, though in the recent years they've added content plays like let's get you act to our, our prime videos and stuff like this. Music. Yeah. But but it's it's predominantly when it first started, right? It was all about shipping, a shipping deal, right? Yeah. But it was still a subscription model, right? And you're like, wait, I pay seventy nine dollars and then I have shipping for free for a year. Like there's nothing about that that is membership related, mm-hmm. right? It's not a constrained content model or anything else. Subscription just means they're gonna bill me regularly, mm-hmm. right? A membership more often than not is in the WordPress world is often about content protection. In the regular world, it's about creating a sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. right? And those are two very different dynamics. So membership sites often need a financial infrastructure. So they use subscriptions and subscription sites may just do a transaction, meaning you pay 20 bucks a month and you get a new tie or you get a new pair of socks or you get a new, you know, cookie, or it could be, oh, I pay the subscription for a membership site where I get access to a group of people or I get access to protected content and that group of people. Mm-hmm. Most people who make that, I was going to get to the other mistake a lot of people make is they make a membership site with no membership, mm-hmm. meaning they use a membership plugin, they protect content, they have a subscription, but there's no sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And if there's no sense of belonging, then you got to ask yourself, is my content enough to keep these people paying. So, so I use the S2 membership plugin yeah, yeah. currently. I'm sorry, but that's okay. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, should, is that a, is that a crap? It's not plug- in, it's not in any of the top running, okay. right? Like it, it doesn't come. In fact, it's so far from the top running that 
that the guys at the bottom, right, are thankful they're not S2 members. So let's talk about what are the good ones out there that people should be looking at. Sure. Member Press uh, is one of my favorites. Restrict Content Pro is one of my favorites. And using members and the subscriptions plugins if you're using it for WooCommerce. Got it. Those would be the three that I would that I would say you have your best bet. Now, there are several. The S2 Member Pro or S2 Member, DAP, uh, Digital Access Pro, Wishlist Member. Those three particular are products that existed before WordPress 3.0. Mm. They existed back when we didn't have the table structures and post types, custom post types that all the modern plugins today leverage. They had to do a tremendous amount of work and write a whole bunch of code just to make these things happen. So you got to give them credit, right? But it's very hard when you have a large user base to then go back and refactor all your code and change everything, right? Mm -hmm. So some of those are in an older spot and they're harder, right? Uh, Harder to manage, harder to maintain concurrency with so many people. S2 member is, I believe, is maybe one of the most complicated, the hardest ones to configure. But if you have it configured and running and you're not touching it, it works, right? So you you can't hate on it because it works. But man, if someone goes to pick it today, it's on the top right. Yeah, yeah, I must admit, I I sat behind that thing and spent probably an hour or two to play with it. I was learning memberships, so I thought, what better way than kill myself with this? Well, you're lucky if you spend an hour or two. I know people that have spent three weeks configuring it. Holy cow. And so that's a a pretty big expense, right? Paid Memberships Pro is another one that if you're a developer that wants that flexibility to be able to drop in little add-ons and make it kind of work the way you want, it's another good one for developers. So there's several players out there, but you will notice that many of them came out. They, They were released post 2010 post when it, whenever 3.0 came out right it was yeah. it was a shift because now those that code base could be written in a different way and make it a little more performant so we we talked about subscription we also talked about just memberships in general what kind of mistakes have you seen online stores making when it comes to membership sites a lot of times a store that is already running an e-commerce site or they're running a blog in an e-commerce site wants to add a membership but they add it as a subdomain, yeah. right? So like members.chrisnummer.com, right. which is different than chrisnummer.com slash store, right? Right, right. Because their store doesn't work with members and their members doesn't work with store. And that's the most annoying thing for the customer, right? Because the customer created an account with you through the store and right. now they go to another place and now they have to re-log in again, right? right. And they're like, uh. so that's where if you have a store, my recommendation is that you try and use something where the member account will translate between the membership side and the store side. What are sites um, that you've seen that do this? WooCommerce WooCommerce lets you do that, right? Yeah. Then you look at, okay, so what sites are doing this? So Kerry Newhoff has, uh, and I'll I'll give you the spelling for it, but Kerry Newhoff has has a site that is a blog and we added a WooCommerce store, and then we added a, some membership components so that we could do some training courses. Yep. And we did launches here last year in December and the beginning of this year in January. Massively successful. And the user can do both, can mm. play in the store and have membership. Um, there's another financial consultant, and I'm blanking on his name, but we built it up where he sold, uh, he had a blog, but he also sold digital prints. But he used the membership, like he signed you up for the membership when you joined the, the, the store. And the site, and then what he would do is, if you were a member, he would send you different prices. Um, he would send you a coupon. Okay. So let's say you paid fifty dollars a month for membership. Yep. But he would send you a coupon for a hundred dollars off his store. So paying for itself so if you're going to shop. There if you're going to if you're going to be doing this, right? If you're a financial consultant and you want images to go in your presentations and, and everything else, this is a no brainer, right? right? And that's. So the average membership site loses people between four and six months, mm. right? The life, the lifetime value gets shrunk pretty quickly because the attrition happens after four to six months. And 
this guy, when we were working on his site, we were seeing people last for a year, year and a half, right? So anything you can do to connect the shopping experience with the membership experience or anything you can do to connect members with each other, yeah. right? I have another friend of mine, and actually uh, the folks at Post Status do this where you sign up for membership, but then you get access to a Slack room mm-hmm. and you interact with each other. Got it. That's that sense of belonging yep. that makes it make sense. So what's an interesting product that you've seen released in this membership space in general? What's a really cool item that maybe is out that somebody doesn't know or only a handful of people might know? Right well, now? I, I would say people who are looking at membership sites that have never done this before, yep. I would tell them to look at MemberPress. I would tell them to look at Restrict Content Pro. I think they're going to be surprised by those two plugins. Okay. People who are in it already, right? And, and let's say they're running a, a WooCommerce store and they're, they're doing work with uh, outbound email stuff with HubSpot, for yep. example. I would tell them to look at an, a SaaS called Revenue Conduit. Revenue Conduit's been out for a while, but most people that I talk to don't know about it. And Revenue Conduit will automatically track all the dynamics as it relates to your WooCommerce store, people who are buying and how often they're buying, whatever. And it will automatically create dynamic lists inside of HubSpot, but it'll also do dynamic scoring, behavioral scoring, and put them into queues for different email campaigns all dynamically, right? So I can't tell you how often marketing automation fails because people don't know what to do with it, right? right? They buy the account and then they don't know how to do it. Revenue Conduit fills that gap by connecting your WooCommerce store with your um, marketing automation solution like HubSpot, and it'll it'll then start doing things for you. That's cool. It's very, very powerful. So, Chris, lastly here, why don't you tell the audience what you're working on, how they can get in touch with you, and maybe get in touch with your business? Sure. So, I am the Vice President of Products and Innovation over at Liquid Web. Liquid Web is a hosting company that provides, has a portfolio of products, so dedicated boxes, VPS boxes, cloud sites, but it also has a new managed WordPress offering, which I'm spending most of my time on. The managed WordPress product starts at $110 for up to 10 sites. So it's not an inexpensive product. It's not targeting that $3 market, but it comes with image compression. It comes with automatic plugin updates. It comes with a whole bunch of innovation that we're doing to bring some of that stuff back to WordPress and say, here's what we think a managed WordPress solution should look like. I also blog over at chrislemma.com and you can find me on Twitter at, at chrislemma. Chris, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online or you're already online and looking for more exposure, visit us at affiliatemission.com, the premier affiliate marketing and management agency. Also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world. impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious.